The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Messages of Hope. Well, hello, my friends. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of Messages of Hope, where we celebrate the fact that life and love are eternal. They never end, that death is just a transition to another reality, that reality from which we come as the beautiful souls who we are, temporarily having a human experience here and now. And this is being driven home to me in in ways that uh, we wish didn't have to happen. But uh, as many of you may have heard, my beloved mother passed to the spirit world just yesterday. So I'm just uh, one day into getting used to that new reality for me here in the physical world. But uh, the response from so many of you with the outpouring of love for our family is just beyond heartwarming. As many of you know, the transition of a loved one can be the best and worst of times at the same time. My family and I spent the past two weeks with my mother in hospice, and uh, it was just such a loving environment. My brother Brent, my sister Janice, and I had total solidarity in in decision-making, in agreement about everything for my mother's best possible care. And just, again, the love from everyone and friends who sat with my mom, just overwhelming. One woman uh, sent me an email, and she summarized the experience so well. We all know and believe that life continues, and we're joyful for that, but our human self still feels the change so deeply. And that's what we're going through now. So, some of you may wonder, how am I doing? I got to admit, I'm pretty drained, but I was shown this morning by my guides that the, the tiredness we feel when we go through grief, part of that comes from the total mix of emotions that, that the pain and the love and the chemicals that they bring forth and a total hodgepodge of thoughts and memories, all of this stirred up and going constantly through the mind to the point where the mind and the body are on overload. So that just makes total sense. But other than the tiredness, I have to tell you, I am simply peaceful, totally at peace, overflowing with love. Yesterday when we got the word, I was just, I spent the day in a cocoon of peace. And this morning I woke up a bit unsettled until I had an experience in my morning meditation 
that showed me exactly what my mother's passing was like. The state she's in now is she's kind of recovering and getting her, her new feet on the ground, so to speak. And many of you who listened to my episode where I talked about my friend Brenda who passed to the other side, who has been communicating with me so clearly, she's been pretty quiet for the past two weeks, but she showed up this morning so clearly with a message for me about my mom and that she will be helping my mom to learn to communicate with me. It was very real. I I have to tell you, I just sobbed from the love that I felt there. It wasn't grief, it was love, and the fog lifted. And since then, I just know, as I've always known, everything's going to be okay because I know the greater reality is real, and we're going to be talking about that today with some very special guests So it's my mission to share with you the truths of the spirit. What I know that when we pass from our physical bodies, death is not the end. It's the end of the physical body, but we still have an etheric body. And my guests today, three of them, I'll bring them in a bit separately, have all seen that spirit body objectively. What I mean by that is with the physical eyes as if they're right there with you, and they are. They are as real as anyone who's in the room with you. Now, personally, I, even though I am a medium, have been a medium for about 10 years now and have connected with thousands of souls who have crossed to the other side, I have not yet had this experience of what is called objective clairvoyance. Many people mistakenly think that that's how all mediums see those in the spirit world, but objective clairvoyance is actually quite rare. For most mediums, just as it is for me, we see the images that those in spirit put into our conscious awareness, but these fall upon what we call the screen of our mind, and it's known as subjective clairvoyance or subjective vision of those in spirits. But my first guest who I'm going to bring in, his experience of objective clairvoyance was a one-time event. He's not a medium to the best of my awareness, but it led him to have immense healing For my other two guests who will come in later in the show, seeing spirits objectively is a regular occurrence. And I have to tell you, I'm pretty envious of that. (laughs) But seeing spirits leads to great healing, which makes it all very real. May we all find healing today from the stories of my guests' experience. So let me bring in my first guest, Keith Boyer. Keith, are you here? I am here, Suzanne. Oh, man. I'm, I'll tell you what. We, everybody goes through challenges, but just Keith just very recently had some major surgery. He's on the mend. He says, I love it. You will enjoy his humor. He told me he's moving slower than a turtle on crutches, but here he is on the radio with us. Keith is a semi-retired stage actor, and he a self-proclaimed grateful rat race refugee, a native Kansan. <laughs> He fell in love with the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia and is now living the quiet life in those mountains, enjoying nature and hiking. Keith has had an interest in the concepts of death and dying since his father transitioned nearly 50 years ago. And it's Keith's experience in seeing his father objectively after his father passed, which is why I wanted to have Keith come on the show today. Keith, where do you want to begin? It's your story. You know, Suzanne, it just dawned on me the other day that I should probably preface all of this with um, the remarks that my oldest brother made when I finally told him about it um, maybe a month or so ago. 
uh, he stopped me in the middle of the story, and um, he said, um, this doesn't sound like a very good story, because <laughs> uh, the unpleasant reality is that it doesn't start out very nicely. It, it gets much better at the end, but it's, 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 um, it's raw in some areas. Yeah, but this is reality, and all of us, right. all of us have stories, so go for it. Well, I was um, I was in Rock Island, Illinois, which is uh, one of the Quad Cities on the Mississippi River, and I was working as an actor in a in a show, and um, at that time I had my daytimes free, and my uh, shows were in the evenings. So one beautiful day in September uh, 2001, I packed up my chair and a bag and a book that I was reading, and I went out to a state park just outside of town um, right on the Mississippi River. And I just sat out in the sun and bagged some rays, you know, and um, was reading this book, and it came to a chapter that talked about their fathers and sons. And um, something in that chapter triggered um, like a volcanic explosion. I'm sorry, I had to back up a little bit. My dad was an alcoholic and he was, he could be mean when he was drunk. Okay. And um, so it was, um, it was the typical Jekyll Hyde alcoholic experience. Because when he was sober, he was a very gregarious guy, talented. Um, people liked him and uh, musically talented, and, and uh, he was just a great guy. But when he, when he drank, it was exactly the opposite. And as a young kid growing up in that environment, and it did get physical sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, so as a young kid, a young sensitive kid growing up in that environment, it it um it really confused me. That's the only way I know how to say it. I had sure. this man who was my idol, and I was his little buddy. I was the fourth of four children, and he'd take me around on his work jobs. He was self-employed as a painter and a, a wallpaper hanger, and he'd he'd um you know he'd just babysit me, and um so and we went everywhere together, and I just adored the man. But he's, on the other hand, he scared the you-know-what out of me just when he was, when he was drunk. Sure. And so I, um, so he, yeah. Well, let's, so he passed quite a while ago, though, correct? Yes, 19, 1969. So there you so, are reading this story about fathers and their son decades later. Is that right? 32 32 years later. And you and describe a volcanic type eruption. Did you know that anger was inside of you? All I knew was that for 32 years, I could not entertain a thought of my dad because mm. it brought up so much fear and grief and anger and bitterness because of the way he had treated us so often. And so whenever I thought of my dad would come up for all those years, I, I had to do many things. I had to either stuff it and, and immediately change the subject. But 
the other way I handled it was by drinking myself. And um, it, I, I became an alcoholic myself. I'm now in recovery. And, and uh, anyway, I can talk about that later. But, yeah, I mean, for 32 years, it was, it was a nightmare for me. I mean, emotional nightmare whenever a thought of my dad popped up. But uh, so fast forward back to the, the park. I'm reading this chapter, and something triggered me, and I, I literally jumped out of my chair, and I sprinted into a patch of woods that was nearby, and I began to vent. And when I say vent, it's like calling the Grand Canyon a hole in the ground, okay? I mean, I was screaming, shouting at the top of my lungs uh, at the sky. I just picked a, sky, a, a spot in the sky and I started to just purge all of this 32 years worth of anger and bitterness and grief and fear. And I was shouting at God. I was shouting at my dad alternately during this time. And I, I don't know how long it lasted, but it was a, it was a very substantial venting session. And um, halfway Somewhere in the middle of it, I, I just happened to look over to my left there in the woods, and the last person I ever expected to see was sitting there, my dad, on a fallen log, <laughs> but he was facing the ground. I mean, he, was, he had his head bowed. He was facing my direction, but his head was bowed. And it's like I instantly knew why he was there, but I was not done purging. I had plenty left to go. And so oh. I just sort of registered it in my mind, and then I went back to my other spot in the sky and just ranted and raved for a while longer. And then when I looked back, I was all finally spent. I looked back over to that spot on my left, and Dad was still sitting there, except this time he was looking directly at me, he had his hand held up in kind of a like a photographic wave, you know, and uh, a serene smile on his face. And again, I instantly knew why he was there, what the whole purpose of it was. Um, it took me, I, I can't tell you how long it took me to process it, but something like that, you know, I, I, I took a little while to process, but I instantly knew what was happening. It was just, it was hard for me to accept it right away. Well, why don't but you put it into words, just so we don't make any assumption. When you say from the very moment you saw him, you knew why he was there. And then when he transformed from, from head hanging down to hand reaching out to you, you knew why he was there. Why was he there, Keith? He was, he was there to make his amends to me. Mm -hmm. And, and how solid did he appear to you? He appeared absolutely solid. I mean, I it was death. I, I can't imagine what it must be like to see someone like that. Did you feel like you were dreaming? I just, I just, it was just such a shock at that moment. That it, like I said, I registered it, and then I went back to my venting. But I, I knew. I mean, a part of me knew instantly what was happening. But it just took a while for the my my the rest of me to catch up with it, I guess. 
But I, I'm I'm talking a day or so. It was it was even more obvious because of the reaction that I had to it, and that was the fact that I no longer had any of those nightmarish reactions to a thought of my dad. All of that bitterness and anger that I carried toward him and grief and all of it, fear, all of that that I carried for so long was just gone. I, wow. I, it, was, it was amazing. I, the only thing I have in my heart from, from that day to this about, uh, regarding my dad is that I love him and I miss him and I can't wait to see him again and I know he's going to be there when it's my turn to transition. And it's, it, I mean, I, I don't even know if I can express how huge this was for me. Because oh, I think I, it's I mean, pretty clear you're doing a great job. Do you, do you think he came only for his own self, his own amends? I don't know. I mean, I, that's, that's all that has occurred to me. No, it's not, Keith, because I'm trying to bait you here. You said to me... He saw what your fear and anger were doing to you. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Of course. I was, I was um, barely sober. I had been uh, an alcoholic for uh, well over 20 years by then. And um, I was just new in sobriety. But it's very tenuous, you know, when you're early in sobriety. Um, and... I, uh, and I know what bitterness can do to people. It, it makes you sick and it ruins relationships. And I just think it would have been uh, a much more miserable life <laughs> if I had not had that experience. My dad, my dad saved my bacon that day. And, hmm. it, and I'm telling you, everything has changed since then. Everything. Such as what? positive way. Wow. Have you seen him since? Nope, I have not. Um, the only thing I could relate to that is one day I was in my backyard and I was, I was, um, I was in anguish over, I'm not exactly sure why, it may have been one of my friends that had recently passed. <clears throat> and I just reached out to my dad. I, I just said, Dad, help me. And, what I saw was a huge, it's hard to describe, but I, I'm calling it an invisible outline of his face. It just appeared uh -huh. right, right in front of me. But there have been, especially in the last few years since my um, awakening has, has um, become evident, um, my heart connection with him is, is very frequent. And I, I talk to him all the time. All the time, yeah. <laughs> and it's just—it's just—it's just the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to me. I love this. I love it because you know those of us listening say, "Well, why can't we have that experience?" You know, I'm praying now that my mother will appear to me. But you know, here I am, a medium yeah. for ten years, and I haven't had that kind of solid, objective, clairvoyant vision yet. Look, we have to come to trust that spirit knows exactly what each of us needs for our own growth for you keith what a gift what grace that you had that vision and the healing that took place from it and 
unspeakable gift. It's just indescribable. Wow. Well, I'm so grateful that that happened for you. And I know that you're now helping others by just sharing what you know and and continuing your own spiritual journey. Is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners before uh, we thank you? I am just blown away by the um, by the love and support that I've received from um, the people in your Facebook group. I've just recently joined it, and the outpouring is just amazing, just amazing. I'm so grateful. I, I'm again, that's inexpressible too. <laughs> well, Keith, you're you like so many of us on the path just have come to find the love that's already within you. And I know that feeling, you just can't help but express it. And we can all feel it from you. Your brother may have thought this was an awful story, but I, I know that those listening with me would agree. It's a beautiful story. And I'm so grateful you had that experience and grateful to you oh, for yeah. coming on the air to share it with us. Well, it's, it's been my pleasure. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a lot happier guy than I was <laughs> before 2001. Well, so there's nothing wrong with that that venting that you did. You know, some sometimes we bottle things up and we don't say it, but boy, that sounds like it was the right. best thing you ever could have done to just get it all out there and rage at yeah. at at the person who you blamed for those things, who now turns out to be what sounds like one of your greatest allies. Well, I think he is, and um, you know, over the years since then, since that event, I have I've had so many insights into. Um, life from his perspective, especially since we're both alcoholic. And, uh, but I, you know, I've been blessed with nearly 20 years of sobriety now. And um, I just, I mean, it, it makes me wonder sometimes how I could ever have blamed him for, for that, because he, I know now that he was just living his sole purpose. And he was, he was doing the best he could to raise a family, you know, as an alcoholic, which is an extra burden. So, there's just absolutely nothing in my heart but love for, for my dad now. And it's, it's a what miracle. A gift, what a gift for you and what a gift for him as well, Keith. What a gift for all of us to hear it because these kinds of stories show us what's possible for us when we open our hearts and when we, we allow ourselves to feel our feelings. I want to thank you yeah. so much, Keith, and share with those of you listening that one of the most frequent occurrences when I do readings with people is loved ones coming through with apologies, just like Keith's dad got to do with him face-to-face through that actual solid vision of him. They come through because when we get to the other side, we literally see the light. We understand how our actions harm people, and we want nothing more than to make amends as we awaken to the reason that we're all here, which is to love each other unconditionally. So I love that your father had that chance to make amends with you without having to find a medium to do it. And the thing is that, that it came about because you shared openly with him your feelings even after he passed. So a lot of lessons in your story. And again, I thank you for coming on to share it with us. Well, thank you for having me, Suzanne. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. I look forward to future interactions with you, Keith. You're, you're a delight. Likewise. Thank you, Suzanne. You're welcome. We have a 
few minutes before the break. I'm not sure if I'll have time to bring in my two guests before the break, but I can at least tell you about them and how I met them. Our, my next two guests are Josie Devlin and her friend, Cheryl Saylor. They are both uh, budding mediums. I'm not sure if they're working as mediums yet. I'm outing them right now by saying that. <laughs> but I met them in my Serving Spirit Level 1 mediumship class that I teach all over the country, but they joined me in Denver last June. And I had not known them before, and it was a, a relatively large class, so nothing in particular stood out at the time. But in the middle of the class, my guides were nudging me to invite somebody in the class to join me for dinner that evening. I had traveled to Denver alone. Ty wasn't with me. And Usually, after a full day of teaching, I just like some time to myself. I'll just uh, hang out in a hotel room, maybe grab a quick bite. But suddenly, I had this urge to, to have somebody join me for dinner. And my guide, Sanaya, said, look around the room, scan the room, and we will point out to you exactly who is supposed to go to dinner with you tonight. So this was kind of fun, and I didn't tell anybody what was happening. And so while the students were paired up doing readings on each other, I began walking around the room, and I looked pointedly at each person, just scanning, waiting for some kind of nudge or sign from my guides, and it, they lit up this one woman, and it was very clear to me, she's the one I'm supposed to ask to if she wants to go out to dinner tonight. Now, I have no idea if she's there with anybody or if she had plans or anything. So I didn't say anything. I was going to just go up to her when the class ended. But no surprise, the end of the first day comes and this woman walked up to me before I could walk up to her. And I laughed out loud when she said, Suzanne, I wanted to tell you we have something in common. She said, my son is a sergeant in the Marines. And as many of you listening know, my stepdaughter, Susan, was a sergeant in the Marines when she left us and transitioned to the other side. So right away, my heart opens up to this woman, and her name is Cheryl, Cheryl Saylor. And I said, Cheryl, I was going to ask you if you wanted to go out to dinner tonight. And she looked a little stunned. And I said, now I really want to talk to you with this Marine connection. And she said, well, I said, do you, do you have any plans? She said, no, but do you mind if I bring a friend of mine along? She's here with me. Her name is Josie. And I said, well, that would be great. And so I said, you guys have a car? And she said, no. And I said, I don't either. So I guess we're walking so, or we could get a, a ride. But there was a, a Texas roadhouse nearby. And as we began walking, I suddenly knew why I was supposed to talk to Cheryl and Josie. I found out that both of them, their whole lives have been seeing spirits with their own eyes as if they're standing right there in the room, because they are. So I want you all to come back with me after the break. We're going to talk to Josie and Cheryl and find out what it's like to have spirits dropping in on you just as real as somebody in physical form. I hope that entices you. They have some really great stories to share. We'll see you in a few minutes. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's Eric Butterworth with a Unity Mindful Moment. Jesus taught the infinite potential of man and the influence of the allness of God. And he said, what I have done, you can do. This is the missing link in Christian religion. All that I have done, you can do too. Any great demonstration of law is repeatable. We tend to spend too much time looking to the people who demonstrate the law rather than the act of demonstration itself. Whenever anything is done, it can be done. The principle is what God has done, God can do. And God can do for you because you are involved in the same infinite law. Practical metaphysics then deals with a repeatable Christ. But if Jesus demonstrated the law, the law is demonstrable, therefore it can be done, and it can be done at any time by one who is in that consciousness. To pick up the Eric Butterworth book, Practical Metaphysics, go to unity.org and click on Shop. Look who's making a difference in the world. It's the New Thought Walden Award honorees. Profiled in Unity Magazine, the September-October edition, Unity has joined with its New Thought partners to honor 27 leaders serving in the areas of spirituality, healing, interfaith understanding, caring for the earth, and social activism. These are people you need to know about. Pick up Unity Magazine or go online to WaldenAwards.com. Since 1924, Daily Word has offered inspiration and practical teachings through daily prayer messages to help people of all faiths live happy, healthy lives. The magazine includes two months of daily affirmations, messages, articles, and spiritual poetry to help you get inspired. Subscriptions are available for print editions in large type and Spanish, as well as the digital subscription package that includes the online magazine with audio, smartphone app, and daily email. Get your subscription today. Visit dailyword.com or unity.org. Discover how to connect with our loved ones on the other side with Suzanne Giesman and Messages of Hope. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. Central as Suzanne shares evidence that love never dies. In evidential medium, spiritual teacher, and author, Suzanne brings hope and healing through her gift of communication with those who have passed. Suzanne brings messages of hope and love that go straight to the heart. Tune in this Thursday right here on Unity Online Radio. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We have Cheryl and Josie standing by. These are the two women who objectively see spirits. 
just as real as you and I are because they are still people. Your loved ones who have passed, this is what I want you to keep in mind, are not some wispy beings. In some cases, they can be if they choose to be. But if they choose to appear before us in their solid form, they can do that. And so let me tell you a little bit about Cheryl and Josie, then let them share what it's like to see spirits. Cheryl Saylor is currently a high school biology teacher. She's been teaching high school and middle school for the last 16 years. She's a Reiki practitioner and has been studying metaphysics for several years. As a child, she was able to see spirits, but she wasn't encouraged to explore this part of herself. Gee, I wonder why. It wasn't until (laughs) she was in her 40s that she was able to begin to embrace who she really is and this gift that she's been given of objective clairvoyance. And Josie Devlin, her dear friend, was an educator for 25 years and retired last year to pursue her interests in photography and metaphysics. Josie is also a Reiki master whose journey of communicating with those who have transitioned began when she was a young child. I told you all before the break that when I'm walking to dinner with these two, I realized why Spirit had pointed out I was supposed to go out to dinner with them. I found out they can see spirits, and my very first question to them was, look, you've been in my class now all day. When we pair up for you to do exercises, I always tell everybody, look at the sitter sitting across from you. You're about to tune into their loved ones, and I guarantee you their loved one is standing right behind their shoulder. Now, I'm going on faith by this because I only see subjectively, but I said to these two ladies, do you really see them there? And they said to me, my very first validation, because I'd never asked this question of anybody who sees objectively, yes, ma'am, they're standing right there. What a thrilling moment for me. But let me ask you, ladies, first of all, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Suzanne. Let me ask you. Was it always a thrill for you to see the spirits? We'll start with Cheryl. Um, No, actually, the first time I ever um, saw spirits, I saw my grandmother sitting at the end of my bed. I was nine years old, and I was actually terrified. Pulled the covers up over my head like she was going to disappear. And pulled the covers back down, and she was still there, and she was talking to me. And um, she did this actually for several nights. the corner of my bed would go down and a couple of times I would peek out, but the rest of the time I was just terrified. And I think I, you know, tried to share that with people and everybody looked at me like I was um, having a a dream. And so I kind of put it on hold at that point. Well, that's really amazing because what you just showed us is you heard her also, but also before you even saw her, you felt, Physical weight on the end of your bed. That's amazing. Oh, yes. Yes. Wow. So anybody besides grandma showing up when you were young? Um, I I mean, I would see different people around other people. um, But it was something that actually I was, because I was not encouraged, I just didn't talk about it. And I didn't discuss it with anybody because I didn't think anybody else could see the way I could see. So um, I, you know, I went through almost into my teenage years. And then at that point, um, some other, you know, other instances were happening. And um, I, I was shut down at that point, And I think that's when I just shut down. So I stopped looking, started fearing it more, unfortunately, and, and um, didn't really continue much until much later. 
Okay. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about so many of my mediumship students do see objectively, and I don't want to discount all of the stories they've told me of seeing spirits. Uh, my dear friend Colleen Smith comes to mind. She also shut it down when she, after she became um, aware of it when she was a child. But I think it's just beautiful how spirit brought me together for this validation. And mm -hmm. so, Josie, how about you? Was yeah. it always a gift or did you run from it? You know, at first I had to run from it when it first started when I was eight years old. And at the time, I was, grew up in a very protective environment. I was the only girl in my family of brothers. And at the time, strangely, there was a rash of kidnappings in the Little Rock, Arkansas area. And so my mom was always telling me, don't talk to strange men. Whatever you do, don't do anything. So it put a little bit of fear in me, just about men in general for a while. And then at eight years old, we moved into a new house. And I had the only bedroom to myself, being the only girl. Mm -hmm. And I walked in my bedroom one night, and there's a man standing in my room. Oh, my goodness. And it scared me to the hilt. And I screamed, and my parents come running. And I'm like, he's right there. And they're like, there's nobody here. Oh, wow. And I'm like, yes, there is. And they're like, no, there's not. And then I turn around, and he was gone. Well, oh. that continued happening. He would appear at my bed. He would appear on my bed. He would appear outside the house, like looking in the window. And every night I would scream and my parents would come oh. running and he think they thought their eight-year-old daughter's going to have to be committed. <laughs> yeah. Finally. Who is after, this man? Yeah, yes. And, and, and they're like, and I'm like, he's here. Why can't you see him? And a couple of, it's probably about three to four weeks of me doing this nightly. And my parents going, what is wrong with this child? My mom finally went, oh my God, would you please describe him? Because mm -hmm. they could never see him. And so I did. And my mom's jaw dropped almost to the floor because I had described an uncle of mine that had gotten killed years upon years before that I had never heard of, never known. And it was him. Wow. And she went and found a picture of him and brought him to me and asked me if this was who it was. And I'm like, yes, how come you can't see him? And she sat down and told me the story that this was an uncle of mine, had to be geez, 20 something years before this, who was 16 and had left home and was hitchhiking to California to go find my dad, who was in the Navy in California. And at one point in time in the New Mexico area, he was standing in the back of a truck and went under a low bridge and it took his head off. Oh, my. And he came to me at that time, and I was like, okay, fine, but why is he in my room? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and as time went on, my mom actually became able to see him, and he became like like the friendly ghost at our house. We used to joke as a family about, oh, we have a ghost in our house. And actually, he would appear with our neighbor's there too, and they all knew we had a ghost in our house. 
And he actually and now, became. Now I want to. I we all use this word ghost, but these are really people. Yeah. Was he able to communicate yeah. with you why he was hanging around, other than just, "Hey, I'm here." You know what? It came to be that he was like looking out for me. Hmm. He was always there for for 98% of my life when things got rough and he would appear to me then to just let me know I'm here for you. Very nice. And now, how about others? Did, did that kind of turn on your objective clairvoyance, your vision, so that you could see others beyond family members? You know, I would, like Cheryl, I would see people around other people and would ask about that other person and people would say, there's nobody there. So mm-hmm. as I got a little older, I learned that I can't talk about the people that I see because not everybody else sees them. And so it it was confusing because I didn't have anybody to relate it to and to be able to talk with about, is this real? Am I like losing my mind or yeah. something? Or yeah. how come I can see these people but other people can't? But I would see people and I would have strange experiences for me at the time where I would see a person and then I'd look back and I would see that person look differently. Mm. So it sounds like it was at times hard to tell who was, quote, real, as in physically alive and those who had passed. Exactly. Exactly. So that was really confusing. Cheryl, Mm -hmm. you, you and Josie met while teaching, is that right? That's yeah. Yeah. So when did you guys find out that you both had this commonality of seeing spirits? Well, um, I I knew Joe because of a book that she wrote. And so after I read her book, I knew, well, maybe this could be a kindred spirit. And in the meantime, um, I had I, I had been seeing Faces coming at me like crazy. I don't, I think it was spirit trying to get my attention because I kept trying to shut it down. Um, And so they would come at me and come at me and I would see children and I would see, you know, people in their 20s and their 30s and their 90s. And I would see all these people and I don't know who they were. Um, They literally were just, and this sounds crazy, but kind of coming out of the word work everywhere. And I was seeing spirits everywhere. And so I started to think, okay, here it comes back again, and I got to figure this out. So I walked into Joe's room um, one day, and I looked at her and I said, okay, I need to tell you something, and you just got to help me out here. I said, I see faces all the time. And she went, yes. And I thought, oh, finally, someone who could listen to me and understand me. So from that point on, we developed... um, our um, love of understanding and wanted to know more. And so um, our friendship and had just started to blossom into something I don't think either of us ever thought. And again, looking back now, I understand we were brought together for that reason. Yes, and you two are both really opening it up now. I think that what was really cool was both of you feeling your joy in the mediumship class at at finding um, ways of of 
directing these interactions with the spirit people who you see to to really hone from them more than just seeing them, but but what messages they come to bring, why they've come through. Would you say that's accurate, yeah. Josie? Yeah, definitely. You know, by the way, I... while while I have you here, Josie, what is the book that you wrote? Um, it was called The Other Side of the Door, and that all transpired because um, for the last couple of weeks that my brother was ill before he transitioned, he was at my cabin in Arizona, and him and we had a lot of good conversations. And by the this time, we we're in our forties when he passed away, and we had good conversations because I was very solid in my belief that I knew that there were people who transitioned that could come and talk to me. And I asked him if he would come back and let me know he was fine after he passed away, and he said he would. But during that two weeks, there were all types of spirits that came to him. And I could see them. They they would be walking on the deck of my porch (laughs) and things, and I'd be like, okay, am I the only one seeing them? And then when I asked his girlfriend, she was seeing them too. And um, so being able to experience this and seeing the different spirits that came to him, his shaman's higher consciousness, but I could see him like he was standing there, Um, a cousin who had passed away, um, different people that were coming for him were gathering at my house. And so after he passed away, one of the best moments that I can experience in my life, I do believe, was I was working out in the yard and I thought my husband walked up behind me and I turned around and my brother's standing there as if he was completely healthy and had never been sick and was there. And just wanted to say, I came back to tell you I'm fine. Oof, what a gift. And I was, after that, like a few months after that, I was driving to work and heard him say, you need to write a book. And so it's really a collection of short stories of what types of experiences I've had along my life. Beautiful. Is that book available in stores or on Amazon? You know, I think it's still on Amazon, but I think it's out of print. I've been like toying around the idea of updating it and redoing it, trying to submit it to a publisher again. Well, at least get it on Kindle so more people can read it. That's a great story. Cheryl, do you have a best story, a favorite story of uh, seeing a spirit objectively? Um, yeah, I, I, I think I want to um, I want to share what happened at the level one class. Um, I, I that still just is one of my top. Um, uh-huh. When we first, you first um, had us pair up, and we did our first reading, and yeah, we told each other. Um, who we wanted to come through. And so I knew who the, you know, my sitter wanted to come through. And um, immediately um, I saw a man standing right behind her. And he was, you know, he, he was just, he was dressed 
and amazingly he was everything was pressed and neat he had you know he had a he had like a crew cut and glasses and he just seemed like such an incredible presence and when you taught us how to do the bless me and we get to the merge i said merge and he literally walked to me turned around and became me yeah i i that experience was unreal. I looked down and I had his shirt, his pants, his shoes. I was him. And I, could I interrupt that, just a second? For those of you who aren't familiar, I teach in my classes and I, I have this in an online class making the connection as well. A, a seven-step method for connecting across the veil, which we, it, the acronym is BLESS ME. And the B-L-E-S-S-M, the sixth step is to invite <laughs> the spirit you're connecting with to merge their energy field with your own so that you become as one true oneness and unity and so what Cheryl's saying here is that it works and of course it works but you saw it with your own eyes and then you saw him become you and then how did that experience change from there well and then he literally I was like looking at my arms and and how he was telling me how he transitioned and um, some of the things he needed to share um, with his daughter, I, I, it was like my arms and my body were moving, and yet I know I wasn't moving. It was, it was one, probably one of the most incredible experiences because I not only got to see him and feel him, but I truly was him. I thought like oh, him. I felt like and, him. And, and to everybody listening, this is why I was told, go out to dinner with these two ladies a second <laughs> night in a row. And it was funny because I said, are you guys leaving tonight after class on Sunday? And they said, no, we're leaving tomorrow. And I already knew this. I knew this in my heart. They weren't going to leave. And I said, you want to go out again tonight? And they were like, yes. <laughs> so then we, we had to walk to a different restaurant. And on the way, Cheryl, you described this situation to me. And for me, who has yet to see the spirits objectively, I have always taken it on faith that when I say you're standing out there, merge with me and step into my field now, that they do that. And that's when I feel exactly what you've described. So my experience as a medium has always been this merged state of becoming one, becoming them so that we feel their personality. We know what they know. So it's beautiful to me for any of you who want to try to connect to know that you don't have to see them as these two wonderful ladies do. They're there and we can all have that merge state experience. One other quick thing, I don't want to steal your time, gals, but it's very important that we set the intention in that exercise for the sitter to tell you who they wanted to hear from. And in this case, Cheryl, your sitter said, gave you her father and he was right there. Immediately you saw him. So those of you listening, please understand our intention and our heartfelt connection literally draws them into our presence, whether you see them or not. So just beautiful. And so, Joe, did you have that same kind of experience? You know, it's funny because it was somewhat similar to Cheryl's when I sat with the first lady that we worked with and she told me who she wanted to come through. And he was immediately standing to her left, just was right there. And I was almost taken back because it was her brother and they looked so much alike, too. It was, there was oh. no doubting this was her brother. And 
not as much like Cheryl where he came and like sat in her lap and she like could look down at herself and see him. But mm-hmm. I could see him standing there perfectly well. But the difference between Cheryl and I is I felt like we were merged in that I could feel his entire essence. Yes. Beautiful. And see him, but he wasn't like on top of me. He was like yeah. right by his sister, but I could feel his essence and his love. It was just so incredible, the love. And to get the details from him to be able to speak to me, to share this with his sister, everything from the house he was living in to every bit of clothes that he wore to what the street looked like, that there were deer in his yard, just oh, wow. everything. And to describe his essence of who he was as a soul was absolutely that incredible. That is the goal of mediumship, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it, it is. Beautiful. Wow. So, and, and so this, again, this is another important distinction to make that when we invite them to merge their energy field with us and for Cheryl, he, Cheryl, he took you literally and blended completely stepping into your field for Joe. He, your spirit person extended his field around yours. So it doesn't have to literally be like that, but we can play with that energy. I just love that you two have the physical eyes validation of this even though it's not necessary, it's still a gift. So do let's start with Cheryl. Do you still see spirits dropping in unexpectedly or now that you're literally taking classes in this and, and trying to control it more, is it only at your own will? It is. Yes, it is more at my own will. Um, but I will have drop-ins, um, which is, that's, Kind of, really kind of fun um, oh. that, you know, you're, someone just kind of drops in and your thought goes to them and, and there they are. Um, you know, that, that experience that I had that kind of um, brought the three of us together in Denver was um, through my brother and his friends. And so now I feel very honored and blessed that their child drops in on me every once in a while as well. And that's, that's incredible. But yes, it's, it's, I'm much more at ease now that I can control it. Um, and I've learned through my guides how to control it and what to do. So I enjoy it definitely. much more. Well, excellent. It's, and Joe, you said definitely, true. why don't you uh, tell us how you control it now? You know, um, I don't know if it's even so much as control because when they do drop in, it's more of a friendly hello (laughs) instead of being afraid. And so I think think in some ways the spirit knows when it's the right time to drop in. Oh, there's no doubt. (laughs) Yeah, and when it's not. So I think now that we understand it more, that I don't know if it's so much we control it or they have a control over it and we're accepting of it more. You know, one of the things real quick, I'd like to just point out that it's kind of funny talking about trying to control this. When we left your serving spirit level one and we were going on the train to get to the airport, Cheryl and I both looked at each other and almost at the same time said, do you see the souls? 
And it was like everybody that was getting off the train and walking to the airport, you could see a loved one walking behind them. Whoa. Anybody else have goosebumps listening to this? (laughs) We were both going. So so it was very crowded, huh? It was was quite amazing. And yeah. To see that yeah. they all had someone there with them, like wow. watching over their shoulder, like just showing their love for them, I guess is the best way to say it. And that's one of the cool things that now when I can like make myself go into in the quick expanded state is that I can see people's loved ones by them. Wow. Well, I thank you both so much for coming on with me. We have less than a minute to go. And Joe and Cheryl, you've just given me the perfect way to wrap this up because I'm always telling people that your loved ones are with you and you've given us your visible experience that they truly are. I hope that this show has lifted all of your spirits, let you know what the the three of us and what Keith now knows and what so many of, of you listening do know that that our loved ones who pass truly are with us. And listen to me, my mother passed to the spirit world only 24 hours ago. I'm not devastated because I know the truth. And as soon as my mom learns to communicate, she's going to be popping in with me as often as she can, just as yours are as well, because love never dies. Thank you so much, Cheryl and Joe. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.